Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. Um, I'm Anthony Chang, your host for this week. Um, David Wilson is um, out there covering the crazy uh, Florida Panthers um, and their magical playoff run. Um, so this week it's me and I have my colleague, uh, the Buzz, the Miami Herald's very own, Barry Jackson. Barry, how are you? Hi, Anthony. Great to be with you. And this series continues. I know we had both hoped that it yeah. would end on Wednesday night, but we will have a game 6, 7.30 on Friday in downtown Miami. Yeah, um, the Heat had a chance, right? They didn't play good, I would say. They played pretty bad, um, but they still found themselves down two with a few minutes left after falling down by 19 points in the third quarter. They just couldn't get over the hump and get it done. Um, Three-point shooting was an issue. Defending Jalen Brunson was an issue. Jimmy Butler was relatively quiet uh, for his uh, playoff standards this year, the incredibly high playoff standards he set for himself this year. Uh, what what were some of the issues that maybe are concerning, or what were the, some of the issues maybe that, that just popped out at you from last night? I think the number of missed open look threes yeah. was a problem during the entire course of the season. And obviously when they shot 45% on threes in the first round against Milwaukee, we were thinking to ourselves, well, have they solved this problem? Are they now once again a good three-point shooting team as they were last year? But they reverted in this series to the regular season norms. In fact, worse than that, they were a 34% three-point shooting team in the regular season, 31% in the yeah. series last night going 13 for 43 uh, and so many of them were open looks so that's concerning you would think that they would have a better chance of hitting those shots at home because they've been a better three-point shooting team mm-hmm. at home uh, but it does give you pause for thought uh, just because uh, they're, they're going to need to hit these shots uh, to uh, to win game six, especially because of the way Brunson's been playing. He's been playing at a Butler-type level these last couple of games. Yeah, and it's like you said, he were a bad three-point shooting team for most of the season, right? And one of the biggest reasons they won game one, other than uh, won the first round, is other than Jimmy Butler's greatness. They, like you said, they shot 45% from three against the Bucks, which was a huge factor. Uh, in that five game series, um, this year, this, this round, they're, uh, they're up three, two, despite only shooting, you know, 31%, which is impressive in itself. It kind of shows you the heater dominating other areas, but yeah, I agree. I think that is the most concerning aspect of the loss because yeah, you, you know, if you want to look at, take glass half full, uh, look at it. And this is what the heat players and, and coach Spolscher were talking about yesterday is well, we'd like the shots we generated. We feel like we can hit those most nights. Um, and they, I mean, I was looking at the tracking data before we started the recording. 36 of the 43 three-point attempts were either open or wide open. Um, that kind of shows you right there the quality of looks that they had that they just didn't make. And yes, for most teams, you would say, well, that won't happen again. If they get those same looks, they're going to shoot 40 plus percent and win. Um, but the Heat, we've seen it for 
a large chunk of the year. Like they have these games where they get open looks and they just don't go down. They have not been a very good three point shooting team. Um, so to me, that is concerning. And those looks will probably be there again in game six because the Knicks are really making it a priority to cut off the paint and send two, three defenders at Jimmy Butler, get kind of get the ball out of his hands. Um, so those looks will be there again. But, you know, for the Heat to win game five, they're probably going to have to make a much higher percentage than they did in game game five. And my other concern last night, Anthony, would be rebounding. The, the disparity has swung wildly between game the teams game. in these yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. And where we saw just in the fourth quarter of game four alone, we saw right. the Heat rebound in the Knicks by nine, get seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. And then last night, it looked very much like it did in the first two games of the series with New York holding a 50 to 34 edge on the boards. And with the Heat, there's just no one you can necessarily count on for double digit rebounds. We saw Bam do that twice. Right. In games three and four, but last night, eight rebounds for him. Uh, and and obviously, as you pointed out, Bam's rebounding is impacted by having to leave the basket area and help on wings and help on switches. So that works against him. But it, it, there, there just wasn't enough uh, group rebounding last night. And I think this is one area where they miss Hero because Tyler at his best is one of the better shooting guards from a rebounding standpoint in the league. They're just not getting the same volume of rebounds from their backcourt. Uh, Struess had six rebounds in game four, but you didn't get that type of production last night overall. So that's a concern if the Knicks get more second chance points. And uh, last night I thought they might have overhelped a little bit. We talked just now about Bam being drawn away from the basket area when he helps on wings. Last night, obviously, uh, Butler tried to help on a driver that left Hartenstein open uh, for a dunk that was one of the bigger plays mm-hmm. of the game late in the game that pushed the Knicks lead from two to four. So I think they sort of left themselves vulnerable for Knicks rebounds, second chance opportunities by helping maybe a little bit too much and having the basket area uncovered. Was that something you noticed last night? Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, that's what they've done all series, right? But the Knicks kind of have adjusted and are trying to make that pass, um, which they're not one to do, right? They, they're they they're an isolation team. Um, they don't they have one of the lowest assist percentages in the NBA in the regular season. They're not, you know, a team that's going to have beautiful ball movement, but the Heat are forcing them to play that way because of the way they're loading up on guys in the paint. Um, the Knicks did a good job of it. In game five, they did a really good job of it, especially Jalen Brunson, just kind of extending possessions with the dribble um, and and waiting for the guy to get, you know, waiting for a guy to get open and, and making that that right read. Um, so, yeah, I did notice it, but I I just don't know if he will adjust from that scheme because it has been working and you want to make the Knicks do something they're not really accustomed to doing, which is trust the pass. Right. I know it's cliche, but they really haven't done that all year. So I'm. I'm assuming that the Heat will say, well, do it again. See if you can play that way again. Because the Knicks' best offense usually is isolation with Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle or R.J. Barrett. Um, but give credit to the Knicks. Um, they made that those passes um, in game five. And one thing about the rebounding, I agree with you, especially late rebounding was an issue. But those rebounding numbers are a little bit skewed because the Heat took 88 shots and the Knicks took 71. And the Heat missed a lot more than the Knicks did. I think the Heat, when I'm looking at the box score now, the Knicks missed, four, I mean, the Heat missed 49 shots compared to 36 missed shots by the Knicks. So that's 13 extra defense rebounding opportunities. Yes, the Knicks were the better rebounding team, but I would say that, you know, I think it's a 50 to 34 advantage in rebounding. 
Some of that's because just because he were missing so many shots. No question. Last night, one of the interesting takeaways for me was how Butler insisted after the game that the Heat can win with him scoring 19 mm-hmm. points and saying he's not a scorer. And obviously, he has the best of intentions when he says these things because he's such an unselfish superstar. All that being said, I think we both agree that they cannot win without Tyler Hero's offense if Jimmy Butler is scoring under 20 points. It's just highly unlikely. So they they need superhuman offensive efforts from Jimmy 30 points, 35 points, 40 points, in my view, to sustain this playoff run. Last night, he tried not to force the action, but 12 field goal attempts is too low for him with the offensive material that they have, at least in my opinion. And it was a rare night of shooting below 50% from the field for Jimmy last night. That's not happened at all in this postseason. He was 5 for 12 last night. Didn't seem to have his usual energy. I don't know if The ankle injury is still impacting him. Uh, What was your takeaway from watching Jimmy last night? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I I agree uh, for in general, like the Heat need Jimmy to score at least 25 to 30 points for them to really have a chance in most of these games. But, you know, they shot 30 percent from three. Again, like we were just we just went over and they miss a bunch of wide open shots that Jimmy generated. Um, If they make a couple of those threes, they probably win the game. But I do agree in general, you know, they need Jimmy to be more aggressive. 12 shots um, is not enough when you're not, when you don't have Tyler Hero um, in the playoffs. You, you need him to take a more aggressive, uh, uh, take on a bigger scoring role, um, especially in the fourth quarter. I think he had two shots in the fourth quarter. Um, he, t- I think that he cut the deficit to two with like two free throws uh, with three, two to three minutes left. And then he didn't shoot the ball again, which I thought was weird. Um, so, yeah, I think, especially late in the game, I think. Probably both both you and I were waiting for him to take take it over, right? When the, he were making that run and they got it to two, you're like, okay, that's it. Jimmy's gonna take over now and, and they're gonna win this game, just like they did uh a few times in the in the in the Buck series. Um, but he just never did. They cut it to two and he, he didn't shoot the ball again. Um so yeah, you know, I you do have to wonder how much the ankle injury is limiting him. He's played well since returning, but he hasn't looked, I would say, as "Quote unquote spry <laughs> um, since returning from the injury and and in the locker room after the game, uh, after game five, Jimmy was there. He did this at home too, but Jimmy was there getting treatment on his left ankle um, for a while. So it is still a factor. How much of a factor it is, we'll never know because he won't say, right? But um, but I do think it is a factor that he's having to play through at this point." When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about two interesting decisions from Spolster last night. And and we both agree that uh, Spo has been uh, at his best, just exceptional in his postseason. thought there were two interesting decisions last night, one that I agreed with, one that I didn't. I agreed with the hack of Mitch Robinson, uh, because as we know, Mitchell Robinson is a woeful 
free throw shooter. They did it twice to him. They sent mm-hmm. him to the line on two occasions, the first with five minutes and 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter. He ended up hitting three of the four free throws. I like that thinking. It was a little bit outside the box for Spo. We don't see that he typically do that. The decision that I sort of wondered about, it wasn't a blatant second guess, but in retrospect, you wonder, should he have kept Kyle Lowry in the game with five fouls? with six minutes left in the game, simply because he helped ignite that heat spurt in the fourth quarter. And even though it wasn't a great shooting night for Kyle, uh, overall he was three for 11. He had been on a bit of a roll in the minutes preceding that. So should he have stuck with Kyle? I probably would have, but to me it's not a black and white issue. Uh, What what were your thoughts on both of those things? Yeah, I I get doing the hack of Mitchell Robinson. Strategy, I, I get it. Um, it didn't really work out. He made three or four, right? And he got the crowd into it. That's the that's the danger of doing it on the road. Because if the guy makes the free throw, then you know that crowd was as loud as it was all game when he made those free throws in those in those moments. You get the crowd into it. Um, but he was shooting thirty percent from the line in in the playoffs entering last night. So you play the odds. He made them. You know, you give him credit. You pat him on the back, and you say, okay, you know, we'll get you next time. But I I I, I get the move. Um, and I, I, I see why they did it, especially with the defense struggling late in the game. Um, and really for most of the night, they were struggling to stop Jalen Brunson. So you're saying, let's, let's foul Mitch Robinson and see if he can at least miss one. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take one point per possession. We can win that way, especially with how close they were. Um, but he made them. And then as far as Kyle Lowry, I, I agree with you. I, I don't, I don't like, like it's basically like the, the Heat fouled out Kyle themselves, right? By taking him out of the game, like let exactly. him let him foul out, let him right. And Gabe is because... trustworthy enough, obviously. Where Kyle had fouled that right. a couple minutes later, we, we'd have been fine with that, right? Exactly. But and and Kyle's a veteran; he's been in those situations so many times. There was a you know, like you said, five or six minutes left. It's not like you know it was a third quarter. Let him play through it, and you know, by taking him out of the game for those two three minutes, you're basically fouling him out. So. <laughs> Um, I, I would have let him. I would have kept him in there. Now he was at. You know, he doesn't really play as many minutes as he did last night much anymore. I think he played 31 minutes in Game Five. So was that a factor? Was Eric, was Eric Spolstra even going to take him out for a few minutes anyway? Even if he didn't pick up the fifth foul, um, you know, maybe. But he was like you said, he had ignited that run. He was playing well, making a couple. He made a couple shots. Then he got a steal. Um, so yeah, I would. I probably would have left him in. Um, looking back. You know, last night it was so funny because the bench, the Heat's bench outscored yeah. the Knicks by an absurd margin for 42-8. 42 yeah. 8 and yet the bench came away not feeling good about the non-Jimmy minutes. So it was two totally different ways to portray the Heat's bench performance. Very good in one sense, but also uh, one that made them a little regretful in another, right? Yeah, I mean, that second quarter, the beginning of the second quarter really – you don't want to say it was a game deciding stretch, right? But it it changed the game. Um, and that was, you know, I think it was the third straight game that Eric Spolstra has used the all bench lineup to open the second quarter. And it worked the first two times. In game five, it did not work. Right. <laughs> the, Heat were, the Heat were ahead by 10 points at the end of the first quarter. Um, Jimmy went out for his usual rest at the beginning of the second quarter. And by the time he re-entered five minutes later, the Heat's lead was down to one. Um, so, and Kyle Lowry spoke about it after the game, kind of saying that they – he, you know, the bench takes the blame for that loss, but for letting the Knicks get back into it and, and, and you know, pretty much erase any early momentum that he had at that point. So obviously there was more to that. He got back into it. The, the, really, the start of the second half was 
probably the game deciding stretch when they went on a huge run uh, to take a 19 point lead over the Heat. That was, you know, and that that starters were on the floor for that. Um, it wasn't the bench. Um, but yes, the, that that start of the second quarter uh, was an important stretch at the bat. The bench lost, and you know that's they outscored the Knicks forty-two to eight, like you said. The Knicks reserved forty-two to eight, but um, they one of the keys to their postseason success so far has been winning the non uh, non Jimmy minutes, and they did not win them in Game Five. And I think it was a night they were outscored by nine um, in the five minutes Jimmy sat, and they lost by nine. So maybe the bench did, maybe the bench did cost them the game because um, they win those minutes and he probably won the game. One unusual thing we saw last night, of course, was Duncan playing down the stretch. Something that's rarely happened this season is his minutes have continued to decline, at least before the injuries to Hero and Oladipo during these playoffs. And obviously he played well offensively, hitting five threes and 10 attempts, scoring 17 in 22 minutes. The Knicks predictably did attack him on defense. Yeah. He was vulnerable on pick and rolls. He's obviously giving good effort, but he's never going to be a plus defender. So the question is, if he doesn't make a couple of threes when he initially enters the game in the second quarter, does Spo even go back to him on Thursday night, or does Spo? in a high-intensity, high-pressure game six, tighten the rotation and have a short leash on Duncan? That, that's always the question with him yeah. in these games late in playoff series. Yeah, I think they left him in because he got hot there in the second half. I think he finished 5 of 10. Um, he did. But most nights, if he's not making them, like in the first few games of the series, or the last few games of the series, before game five, Max Schuess will play most of those minutes. Where we've seen it. He, he trusts Max more just because Max can hold up a little bit better on the defensive end. He could do more things offensively. Um, but when Duncan is hot, Eric Spoelstra would keep him in there, and we saw that last night. I was I was a little surprised Max didn't get back in, um, but Duncan was hitting shots, and they needed somebody to make threes because no, you know, Max shot okay too, but uh, once Duncan made a few, um, I think Eric Spoelstra wanted to ride that and see how long, you know, how how far that would take them. Um, so I get it, and, and look. He tried a bunch of different things just to get back into the game, and they did get back into the game. They played zone, they pressed, they had the hacker Mitchell Robinson, they turned up the three-point attempt volume, they took a bunch of threes, and, and it worked. They got to within two, but at the end, it's it's just tough to come back from a 19-point deficit in the second half um, and and win a win a playoff game. We've, we've I think we've all been spoiled uh, in the first round when he did it twice, pretty much. Um, but it's just very tough to pull off. It is. I still feel good about their chances in the yeah. series. Yeah. It takes, though, without Tyler, it takes a very simple but precise recipe, I think, for them to win, which is Butler scoring in the 28 to 40 range. Uh, a game from Bam uh, where you're getting 14 to 20 points, uh, 8 to 12 boards, and obviously everything else he does, including the exceptional defense he's played on Randall and as a help defender in the series. And then you need two others to have good offensive games. In games three and four, those two others were Struess and Lowry, and obviously Caleb as well has been very good throughout the series. So it's a very precise mix of ingredients that the Heat needs to win without Tyler, and they've gotten those ingredients three times in the series. They just needed a fourth. Yeah. Well, I, I guess what I I feel good about their chances in Game Six too, right? Like, I think they're the better team here if Jimmy's healthy. That's a big if, right? At this point, we've he, he hasn't looked quite like himself lately. Um, 
But is there one concern, like, what's the biggest concern for you after game five? Like, is there one aspect of the loss that concerned you more than others? Yes, I would say if their poor three-point shooting, especially on open looks, continues, and if the Knicks get a crazy good game from someone beyond Brunson. If Brunson continues the excellence we've seen from him, he's obviously a terrific player, 38 last night, playing all 48 minutes. If the Knicks get a 30 to 35 point game from Randall or from RJ Barrett, uh, on top of what Bronson is giving them. And if one of the other Knicks players, whether it's uh, Grimes, who's played well defensively, erupts offensively, whether Josh Hart gives them a good game, I think that combined with poor Heat three point shooting will leave Miami very vulnerable on Friday night. Now, the Heat's been terrific at home ever since that play-in yeah. loss to Atlanta, obviously winning five straight at home since the Chicago play-in game. So I think we both, and the Heat might feel some degree of comfort, a level of confidence because of that and because Jimmy has been so great, but you cannot miss the volume of open threes no. as you did on Wednesday night. That coupled with great offensive games from Knicks other than Brunson that would leave them at risk I think yeah and and all the pressure was on the Knicks in game five no doubt right at at home down 3-1 they needed a win obviously to save their season but even with the Knicks facing an elimination again in game six there's pressure on the Heat in game six no doubt I mean you go to Miami you have one home game left in the series yes teams up 3-2 in a series have won 83.9% of the time if the Heat lose game six and they have to go to game, Madison Square Garden on game seven on Monday, not only will that place be crazy, but the odds will not be on the Heat side. Uh, home teams have won game seven uh, of a series 75.9% of the time. So things can really shift fast here with just one Heat loss here on Friday. So um, it's going to be, it's, I don't want to say it's obviously not a must win game for the Heat because they still have a margin for error there to go to game seven, but. You want to avoid that game seven at all costs, especially with so many guys banged up. You want at least a few days um, to see if you can rest your bodies, especially if if Boston Philly goes seven games. So um, I, I I really do think game six might decide the series um, just because of if the Heat lose that one, the, the momentum will all be on the Knicks side. The odds will be on the Knicks side. And um, yeah, it'll be tough for the Heat to, to win game seven uh, after two straight losses. I had one final thought. I know Charles Barkley was saying something last night, similar to what you said, although he said it even stronger. He said, in his view, game six is a must win for Miami and for the Lakers in their series against Golden State. He he claimed they're not winning, neither the Heat uh, nor the Lakers would win a game seven on the road. I don't agree with him from a Heat standpoint. I think if the Lakers lose at home to Golden State and have to go to San Francisco for Game 7, I would heavily favor the Warriors because of their championship pedigree and Curry, etc. But I think if the Heat loses Friday and has to go play Game 7 Monday night in New York, I would think that game is a toss-up. I would have far more confidence in the Heat winning that game because of Butler and because there's not a great disparity between the teams and because the Knicks don't have an all-time great NBA player than I would with the Lakers' chances of going to Golden State, uh, especially with, obviously, Anthony Davis and his health issues. So I I think even if the Heat should lose Friday, I still think they have a decent chance Monday. They'd be a slight underdog in my view, but because of Butler and because the teams are so comparable, I would not be totally panicked if the Heat loses on Friday. I, I tend to agree with you. I think that he could still win game seven, but uh, I, I just 
if you're the you don't want you don't want to be in that position, right? After up right. one, you don't have to play have to play game seven at Madison Square Garden. And then no matter what, even if you win, you have a quick two-day turnaround to start the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, again, with so many guys banged up. Um, so yes, I, I think that he could win game seven. We've seen it, right? Like there isn't I think that he'd have kind of showed they're the better team of the two for most of the series. They've led for most of the series. Um, they should get this done. Um, but right now we're in small sample sizes. We have two one game sample on Friday. Anything could happen. Some like you said, Obi Toppin can get hot and score 35 points and hit <laughs> eight threes, um, right? In, in a one game sample that he could shoot poorly again. Um, but you know, I, I think the Heat should. I still feel pretty good about the Heat chance to get this done, whether it's and I think it'll probably happen in game six. I agree. Are we good? You think we covered everything, Barry? I think we have. I think you're ready to catch a plane. I'm yes. ready to do 20 stories, and I'll see you Friday night. <laughs> I'll see you Friday night. Follow Barry Jackson at FLA Sports Buzz on Twitter. Follow me at Anthony underscore Chang on Twitter. Uh, we have you covered with everything going on with the Heat, the series. Um, and Barry has you covered with everything going on in South Florida. It's a crazy time between the Panthers, the Heat, um, Dolphins, uh, I guess there are mini camps, right? Rookie camp? What, what are they? There is, and the NFL schedule being released yeah. on Thursday. I'm, NFL schedule released on Thursday, so it's a crazy time. We're, we're all very busy. Uh, but make sure to catch our work uh, at MiamiHerald.com. Thank you for coming on, Barry. Thanks, Anthony. Enjoyed it. <laughs>